everybody, and welcome back to Coffee and Bible Time. I am your host, Taylor, and on this awesome Monday, which we come out with podcasts every single Monday, I'm excited to be sharing with you guys something that I hope will help you guys kind of break some chains, and that is we're going to be talking about cognitive distortions, okay? It's a big word. I'm going to say it right now. Big two words, actually. Cognitive distortion and... I really want to just kind of shed some light on what it is, and some of you guys might know this, but yeah, I learned a lot about cognitive distortions when I was going through counseling, Um, but now I'm just here to share some of the little things I learned about it. Um, I'm not a counselor, so don't take everything that I say with extremely high regard, but I have the definitions on a piece of paper, so I'm not making things up to y'all, okay? So here we go. We're talking about cognitive distortions. What is a cognitive distortion? Hold with me, people. I know this might be really confusing right now, but in two, one minute, you are going to be able to relate highly and extremely. <laughs> so a cognitive distortion is an error or a bias in how you think about yourself, the world, or other people. And chances are you probably have a cognitive distortion from your early learning, your early childhood. Um, As children learn from the world around them, they develop basic beliefs about themselves in relation to what they are learning. And sometimes those beliefs can become distorted and reinforced over time. So something that I feel like people don't realize is just the fact that they have distorted ways of thinking. Um, I know that I didn't realize this, but it really affects every aspect of your life relationally with your family, with your friends, with strangers, and um, even your relationship with God. And I feel like the benefit of learning about and, and realizing that we might have cognitive distortions is that it can actually help you to change your thoughts and thoughts have a big impact on our emotions and behaviors. So I think I'm going to try to make this into a three-part series. This week, we're going to be talking about a specific cognitive distortion, mind reading. Mm-hmm. Yep, mind reading. Some of you guys are already nodding your heads because you know that you do that. And I can say right now that I do. I do mind reading and... Without keeping things in check, it can get out of control. So yes, this week we're going to be talking about specifically mind reading. I have a hilarious story that I'm going to be sharing with you guys because like I said, cognitive distortions are something that I'm passionate about talking about because it's something that has affected me and you don't even realize that it's affecting you because you're just so used to thinking this way because you just grew up thinking it. Um So mind reading specifically, mind reading is when you assume you know what people are thinking without sufficient evidence of their thoughts. Mm -hmm. Do I need to say it again? You assume you know what people are thinking without sufficient evidence of their thoughts. So now I'm just going to go right into a story because I think you'll start to realize how this kind of fits in with my life a little bit. But um, so a couple years ago, and by a couple, I mean mm, one and a half, maybe one year ago. I, I can't even do the math right now. You know, when you're on the spot, you're just in the zone. You can't even think. Time is no concept. But basically one and a half years ago, I was at 
community college, physically going, no online classes. I was there. I was there present. I was in the moment. And I was deep into the semester and I was in a math class. It was my first class ever. It was my first class of the day. And honestly, looking back, it was kind of a weird class. Um, The guy I sat next to never brushed his teeth. He was a nice guy. He didn't show up a lot, but uh, yeah, I would have appreciated a little breath mint. You know, I almost contemplated if I should bring it, but I didn't want to be that person. So I just kind of bared with it. I was like, you know what? A little bad morning breath will really just keep you on your toes in the morning. But that was completely irrelevant. But what happened was is my my class was on the top floor and what I would do is I would go to my math class down to my biology class which was right after. Um, but there was a little bit of time in between so usually you know I'd go to the bathroom and so one day deep into the semester I'm I'm used to my routine going to the bathroom going to my biology class period that's all that happened. Yes, occasionally a cute boy would cross my path would anything ever happen? Mm, no. But What happened this day was so peculiar. I went to the bathroom and I'm leaving the bathroom. And you know what? I dressed a little cute that day. Can I give myself a little credit? Okay, I will. I dressed a little cute. The hair was done. I brushed it for once. And I was walking towards the stairwell when I see a massive group of about 15 firefighters. You heard me firefighters. You know what? It's hard to tell in the heat of the moment. They could have been paramedics, but what we're getting at here is tall, dark, and handsome, nice biceps, and a sight for sore eyes. Did I say that right? A sight for sore eyes? I don't know. I've never used that idiom before, but it's sounding right. Anyways, it was a great view. Okay, let's just leave it there. So I'm walking. I'm like, holy moly, this has never happened to me before. And Get this, I'm walking towards the stairwell and one of the firefighters, front row, looks at me and goes, hey, and I'm like, he must not be talking to me. There's my first mind reading. So I'm still walking. I'm like, what is this guy doing? He goes, hey, yeah, you. And so then I look, I'm making eye contact. My face immediately is getting red. I can feel it burning from the depths within. He goes, you know, me and my friends here are about to go out to lunch if you want to come with us. And I was like, what? I literally was like, what? And he goes, yeah. He's like, we're just going to go before our next class. We can take you if you want. I was like, Ugh. I was like, I got to go to my next class. So literally that's what I said. I was like, um, I got to go to my next class. <laughs> and I'm walking down the stairs. I was like, what the heck just happened to me? And then he calls from the stairwell. He goes, and you know, if today didn't work out for you, we could always get lunch another time. I literally just kept walking because I was like, what is happening to me right now? I had no idea. And and here's the thing, and this is going to get, we're getting a little more serious now. That was a funny story, but some of you guys might be able to relate to this, but um, I think that there's a little bit of something inside of me where, excuse me, I just burped, um... You have, if you've never been pursued, I've talked about this on further podcasts, but if you've never been pursued growing up, you've never been in a relationship, um, you kind of just assume that boys aren't into you and that you're just 
undesirable. That's not always the case, but for me, that is a strong feeling that I've had. Um, And so when I'm going into college, I'm not really expecting things to be any different. And so when this happened, I was literally like, what is going on? Like, there's no way he could possibly want to get to know me. And here I am just like, and this is when I get into mind reading, okay? This is me mind reading that all these things going into the situation, like I'm mind reading about the people around me. People around me are probably thinking that this is crazy, I'm mind reading in his head, something must be wrong. I'm mind reading in his friend's head, like, what is this guy doing? Then I'm mind reading, oh, maybe they, maybe they all got together and they made it a dare that they needed to ask one girl out before they went out. All these things, all these mind reading techniques that I've come up with over the years to try to make sense of these situations. And I'm just assuming like all these things that he's thinking without any evidence of his actual thoughts. Um, And a lot of times I operate out of this curtain, this wall of shame where I need to interpret situations and things need to come past this filter of shame for things to make sense, like things to make sense in situations. And you'll see what I mean about that um, later in this podcast. Um, But that was just one of my funny examples of what happened to me in life. Don't get me wrong. This has only happened once. I really don't have any other crazy situations like that. Actually, you know, why don't I throw in another one? Because I do have one other one. It's really strange. I was working at the library um, back in the day about a year and a half ago. And there was an extremely cute guy that walked past me. So weird. You know, cute guys in the library. What? Hello, rarity. But when they are there, it's amazing. It's a highlight. Um, But I was holding this book, little did I know, only I realized afterwards when this guy was walking past me. And I just was like, you know, Taylor, be brave. Be brave today. So I made eye contact. I smiled at him. And I just saw him look down at my book that I was holding and he kind of gave me a weird look like he was confused and like just kept walking. I was like, well, that went poorly. And then I looked down at my book and it the book has a giant eggplant on it. And I think you can get where this was going. I was shelving a book about the male genitalia and I didn't even realize it. So That was my luck for that day, seeing that he had been probably completely mortified of what I was holding. Um, He probably thought I was checking out, which, my goodness, here I am going, I'm mind reading again. But in that situation afterwards, after I looked down at my book and was like, what the heck did he just see me holding? I was mind reading left and right. I was like, he thinks I'm checking out this book. He thinks I'm crazy. He thinks I probably am a little unstable. And XYZ, XYZ, that's another mind reading situation, but I thought I'd throw that in there because I just do, I have weird, weird situations happen to me, but yeah, I never picked up that book again. Of course I was shelving. Maybe I should have prefaced that. I was a shelver, so I shelved the books. I wasn't checking it out. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But anyways, that was just a couple mind reading situations that I've had with boys and boys in my life. Not really that they are boys in my life, but, you know, weird situations that have happened. Um, But mind reading, like, when you get in the habit of mind reading, it happens in every aspect of your life, and it even happens in our Christian life. And that's where I feel like probably a lot of you guys can relate to this or um, 
on some sort of level, we can fall into this trap where we mind read in the community of fellow believers. I know that for me, um, a lot of times, like there's a time where I feel like I, I want to share something vulnerable about, about my life or about something that I'm dealing with or struggling with in a small group or with a trusted friend, but I end up holding back and not saying it because I'm, I'm assuming what they're thinking. I'm assuming that they don't want to hear it or that there's no point. They they aren't going to be able to help me or especially I mind read that they're going to think I'm crazy and that stops me and I'm constantly filtering what I'm going to say to them because I, I'm trying to mind read them to see what they're thinking and what's interesting about this and that I learn um, the more and more that I get older is that mind reading it feels like it's giving us control. It feels like it's giving us the control that we need to have a conversation without anxiety. But the reality is that it actually causes a lot of anxiety. Mind reading, when we constantly mind read, we're just assuming what people are thinking and it causes us to be like 10,000 times more in our head. Um, And it almost makes us, or at least for me, it makes me like not even want to go out and talk to people because I'm just mind reading and I'm, I'm taking my thoughts about what they're thinking about as truth. I mean, heck, they don't even have to say anything, but I'm just assuming what they're thinking and it's true. Like in my head, what they're thinking is true. And sometimes like when I'm out in the church lobby or after I'm done having a conversation with a group of believers, um, and I'm like back alone by myself, it's like I replay the whole situation. Like I replay the whole conversation post-sesh and I replay it in my head. Like I'm replaying people's facial expressions um, to and their reactions to what I talked about. And I filter through like what I think they were thinking about me. And then from there, I filter through, okay, what can I talk about next time with them? What can I talk about with other people so that they don't think this or they don't think that? And I've, I know that like I've just connected with people over like just the concept of mind reading because I feel like so many of us do it and we don't even realize it. And it especially happens when we're with um, just people our age, like our peers and like we talk and we filter through everything that we're saying because we're so afraid of what other people are thinking, like that we need to just imagine what they're thinking so we can feel some sort of control over the situation so that we can try to not look crazy or try to not look a certain way. And it takes um, a genuine conversation and it makes it ingenuine because we're assuming what they're thinking and we're changing what we're going to say based off of that. Um, but like something that I feel like that takes it to the next level with um, Christians and believers that something that I do is I, I mind read with God and I unintentionally mind read with God. Um, and I think that we do it more than we realize. And for me, I went through a period in my life where I felt like the Lord had favor on me based off of how much I didn't sin. The less I sinned, the more favor he had on me. You kind of get where I was going there with that. Um, And the thing is, is that I had the idea, like I understood the idea that I'm saved by grace and by grace alone. Like it was no question in my head that Jesus died on the cross for me. The work was done. But where this sort of thinking came 
in my head about favor um, was more along the lines of assuming that God got mad at me when I sinned and that the more I sinned, the more upset God was at me. Um, and every time I sinned, I mind read that God was what God was thinking about me. And it was almost always that I was a disappointment. Um, and then even like take away the sin when I'm just coming to God in my quiet time, I just like had so much shame and guilt and I mind read again, like that God was mad at me and like, what makes me think that I can just waltz into my quiet time and expect his presence to be there when I turned against him just yesterday or just an hour ago or just 10 minutes ago. I created this shame barrier in my head where I began to filter every encounter with God through, um, with every encounter with people through my mind reading with God and, and with people operated out of a place where I was ashamed of who I was. Even with the firefighter story that I said a couple minutes ago, the only way I could try to understand what happened to me was to mind read and filter the situation so that it could make sense with the shame about who I was and who I felt I was. Um, the thing about mind reading is that when you're deep into it, it's hard to actually remember that it's not true. Um, a lot of times we just assume that our thoughts are true and it's not like it's completely irrational thought to think that our thoughts are true because after all, our thoughts help us help us get through life and our thoughts help us get through situations and interpret situations and it got us to where we are today. But sometimes thoughts like cognitive distortions aren't serving a purpose anymore and they're actually bringing us down and they're actually holding us back and they're actually making us believe lies about what other people are thinking about us and what God is thinking about us especially. Something that I've had to um, wrestle through was just the idea that God um, doesn't think thoughts like I think thoughts. Because oftentimes what I do is I I forget that I'm made in the image of God and I think that God is made in my own image. And I conclude that he thinks just the way that I do. And that's wrong. <laughs> it's so wrong. Um, sometimes I second guess God and I second guess his thoughts. Um, but I have to remember that his thoughts are far beyond our comprehension. And that's where I kind of wanted to just share with you guys Isaiah 55, um, specifically Isaiah 55, 6 through 9. It says, Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call on him while he is near. Let the wicked forsake their ways and the unrighteous their thoughts and let them turn to the Lord and he will have mercy on them and to our God for he will freely pardon Learn what theology is and how to study God within the Bible in course number seven of our In-Depth Bible Study Academy. In this academically built course, you will learn the tools to study God's character and nature within a Bible passage and how to grow closer to God relationally through Bible study. This course titled Theology, Knowing God Through In-Depth Bible Study is packed with teaching lessons, homework, quizzes, and a resource list for personal study. 
Head to our website, coffeeandbibletime.com, to learn more about the Academy and course number seven today. Use promo code CBT Podcast, that's CBT Podcast, to get 50% off this course right now at coffeeandbibletime.com. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts higher than your thoughts. And I really want to read you guys a little bit of this um, commentaries. I have two commentaries here. I'll just kind of read them back to back because it really speaks truth into this topic of mind reading and how his thoughts are far beyond our thoughts. Um, But here it goes. It is not a mark of wisdom to try to second guess God because his ways and thoughts are far beyond our comprehension. We make God after our own image and conclude that he thinks and acts just as we do, and we are wrong. Have you ever tried to explain the grace of God to an unsaved person who thinks that heaven is a sort of hall of fame for achievers instead of the Father's house for believers? In this world, you work for what you get, and you are suspicious of anything that is free. Wow. I don't know if you guys can relate to that, but when I read that, I literally kind of had my jaw dropped because I had a little bit of that same mentality that probably a lot of non-believers do about how some somehow we equate heaven with sort of achievements, even though we know that it's by grace alone that we are getting to heaven. We just, we somehow like feel like it's too good to be true. Let me get into this other commentary. Um, still about Isaiah 55, 6 through 9. It says, There must be not only a change of the way, but a change of the mind. We must alter our judgments about persons and things. It is not enough to break off from evil practices. We must strive against evil thoughts. To repent is to turn to our Lord against whom we have rebelled. If we do so, God will multiply to pardon as we have multiplied to offend. But let none trifle with this plenteous mercy or use it as an occasion to sin. Men's thoughts concerning sin, Christ, and holiness concerning this world and the other vastly differ from God's, but in nothing more than the matter of pardon. We forgive and cannot forget, but when God forgives sin, He remembers it no more. The power of his sin in the kingdoms of providence and grace is as certain as that of nature. Something that I love about that commentary was just the true fact that when we forgive, like when when people forgive, like when we forgive, we can't forget. We might forgive somebody for what they did, but we don't forget. But when God forgives sin, he remembers it no more. And oftentimes when I mind read with God, it's because I have so much shame over my past sins that I'm just assuming that he's kind of holding it over my head and 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 like taunting me like, you were bad yesterday, so you better make it up today in your quiet time. Read 15 more pages. That was me being exaggerative, but that's, that's a close representation of what of where mind reading can take me, um, in times with God. And the thing is, is that 
there, when God forgives us and forgets, it is certain. It isn't, it is just a fact. It's unwavering. We, our thoughts don't change God's thoughts about us and his thoughts are far beyond our comprehension. We literally cannot understand it because when we forgive someone, we don't forget. We can't forget. We oftentimes say, oh, forgive and forget. But do we really forget? No, because we're human beings. But God, he forgives us and he doesn't hold it over us anymore. When Jesus died on the cross, that was it. He paid for our sins once and for all. And the thing that I know that I struggled with um, as a believer was understanding where grace fit in with the law. Because oftentimes what would happen to me is I would forget about God's grace and just feel guilt. It was like I replaced God's grace with guilt and all I saw was the law, all that that I was paying attention to and was filtering through my mind was God's law and how God demands perfection and God demands us to be holy. And so when I messed up, I would just feel so much guilt and shame. And then it was like, if I tried to cross the barrier over and think, okay, grace, grace, um, God gave us grace. He gave us forgiveness. Like he doesn't, he looks at us with a clean slate. If I sin, like I'm still his beloved, like what would happen to me then was I would just get into grace world where my sin was okay because God forgave me and Jesus died on the cross and everything was okay. So if I sinned, it didn't matter because I was already okay. And so there was like no balance between the law, which I looked at as strict and grace, which I looked at as a free range chicken, absolutely no boundaries. Um, but some, I, I actually came across a quote by a German philosopher, I think. His name is Goethe. Don't quote me on that. But it says, whatever liberates our spirit without giving us self-control is disastrous. And that makes perfect sense as to why the law and grace go together. Because if we take away the law, if we say that Jesus just died and we can do whatever we want, we can sin because we're forgiven, um, it just creates disaster. We have no self-control and we, we become far from God. We don't strive to be like God. And where the law comes in is the law just becomes, the law is just the standard, right? The law is a standard that none of us can meet, but when, but when Jesus died on the cross and, and we become saved, we have grace that enables us to meet that law. Jesus was our, was our sacrifice. Jesus is the high, the high priest and he sacrificed for our sins once and for all, um, for eternity. And so we don't need to have that guilt when we sin because we have grace, but the law is is still our guide and and the law and when i say law you can kind of think of that as the bible um the bible is truth and the truth is what sanctifies us and the truth is what makes us holy and the truth is what makes us more like jesus and jesus says in john 17:17 17, 17, that to sanctify them by the truth and that god's word is truth um 
it also says something that I've been really resonating with lately is just Psalm 5110 says, create in me a clean heart, O God. What we desire usually determines what we do. And our appetites lead us to action. So if we're praying to God, create in me a clean heart, oh God, help me to love your law. Help me to to think of your word as precious gold. Our prayer um, out of our heart to turn from our evil ways is such an honorable prayer. And I think that when God hears us pray these things, when God hears us pray, turn my eyes from worthless things, he looks at that and he is pleased and he is delighted that we are delighted in him because there is a place for God's word and there is a place for grace and it's together. They work together hand in hand. And when we, when we take grace and we take the law and we put them together, it kind of helps get rid of that shame barrier of like, well, I'm never perfect and the law says I need to be perfect. Because personally for me, that's where I began to mind read was just out of a place of shame and out of a place of literally just feeling like something was wrong with me. And so I would try to like think what God was thinking about me, which if when law was my, when the law and standards and perfection was my only way of measurement, I was constantly in a place of feeling failure and shame. And so I was from there just stemming so many um, mind reading thoughts about how I was a disappointment. And I'm sure a lot of you guys can relate to somewhere in your life with, with God or with your fellow community of believers where you've mind read um, situations just out of a place of trying to understand, but without actually having truth or without having evidence to back it up. And that's where we get hurt. And that's where we have to stop ourselves and bring us back to the word and just say, Lord, I need help. I need to know who you are. I need to know your character. And I want to know you for what you say you are, not what I say you are. Please just help to sanctify me with your truth. Make me more holy. Make me like you. Make me know who you are. Like when we just assume things about people and when we assume things about God, we're only hurting ourselves. We're also hurting our relationship with other people, but especially ourselves, we're holding ourselves back. And so that was, that's cognitive distortion number one. That was me just scratching the very surface. That was the tip of the iceberg because mind reading is a big cognitive distortion. Um, and I don't want to take up any of your, more of your time because it's been half an hour, but I hope you guys enjoyed that. I hope that really was able to turn in your mind and kind of get you get the wheels turning on where you distort, um, where you mind read in certain areas of your life. Um, please, if you felt like this touched you, share it with a friend. Um, and yeah, we'll see you guys on our next Monday podcast. I'm hoping I'll make this into a series. No promises, but I'm going to run it by my sister. I think it'd be great if we did the next one together or with our, with our mom, but, um, yeah, just get, Get excited and get hopeful for that next one. See you guys next week. Bye.